Hello everybody, welcome once again. As we continue on in the series, uh, the study that we're doing actually through the New Testament. And uh, we've been working through diligently for well over three years, three and a half years now, something like that. Uh, this is our 187th study uh, on the New Testament. And you hear me say every time we get together, we'll, we'll knock this one out in about a year and a half or so. That should get us through the rest of the New Testament. And then we'll jump right into the Old Testament. And uh, some of those books are really long. Genesis is over is 50 chapters at least, if not 51. I don't remember, but that's a year's worth right there. So... Uh, It'll take a while, but uh, as long as you're not in a hurry and you're going nowhere, we're good, right? 17 years or so, we'll have it knocked out. And then we'll start all over again. Yeah, we can fix what we got wrong the first time, I guess. Um, the, uh, the advantages of studying the New Testament this way, and the entire Bible this way, but in the New Testament in particular, is... Um, by looking at it, we're able to hold the teaching, uh, hopefully, in context. And so when you start the way we did with the Gospels, and we, we, we understand Jesus' ministry, and what that looks like, and what he said, and what he did, and then we ran through the book of Acts, and from the book of Acts, we got to see how the early church started, and what that looked like, and what they did, and, and, um, and then, you know, particularly there at the end of the book of Acts, we were looking primarily at Paul's mission trips, and... Um, and so once we finished the book of Acts, we, we decided we would stay talking about Paul's mission trips and the letters that he wrote back to the churches. And uh, that's how he spent a good deal of his time writing letters back to the churches. Most of the letters Paul wrote, he was dealing with situations that had come up in the churches, a lot of you know, difficult issues that um, had happened because the church was trying to figure out what it was, what it looked like, how they were supposed to do it. And uh, it was all brand new. And so Paul, you know, would go into a place, he'd get a church started, and then generally he would get run out of town by people that were jealous of him and, and the established religious community that they would chase him off, and, and yet he had a remnant there, and they would go from there, and, and they would, you know, the Spirit of God would come, and people were drawn into the church, and yet, you know, because they're people like we are, they had issues, and they would ask Paul for help, and he'd write him back saying, this is what you need to do to straighten it out. Uh, so that's the context of the majority of the letters that Paul wrote. He was writing in response to issues in order to correct them. Um, so when we read through his letters, we need to hold them in that context. Fortunately, or unfortunately, the problems that we face today are still very similar. And so the advice that was given back then by Paul under the unction of the Holy Spirit still works for us uh, today in the church. Um, however, we still need to be uh, aware of the context of it. And how it applies to us so that we don't try and make it say something that it doesn't. And Paul's given a wealth of good advice in the letters that he's written uh, to the churches. And, and hopefully it's, you know, we, we've been taking it to heart as we work through it. You know, the importance of loving each other well. Of even in those places where we disagree. Of allowing the Spirit of God some room to work to change us or them or both. Uh, in the process while maintaining some unity and, and moving forward together in the kingdom of God and, and trying to keep what's really important as the priority and um, not get torn apart by the stuff that's less important. Um, and so we've, we've looked already at most of Paul's letters. We're, we're almost done with Philippians. We're going to be in chapter 4 today. We've got to read, uh, we've got to work through the letters he wrote to uh, Titus and Timothy and then, uh, and then we'll have Paul pretty much wrapped up. We'll move into Hebrews. Paul may have written Hebrews, but he may not have written Hebrews. We can't get um, any 
specific yes or no on that. We don't know for sure. Um, it looks like Paul wrote it, but then sometimes it doesn't. It might have been Apollos or one of the other guys. We don't know. But it's in, in the canon, and so it's worth absolutely worth taking out, read and, and uh, seeing what's going on, and it fits perfectly. And there's neat, a lot of neat stuff in Hebrews. You'll like it. And then we've got um, Peter's letters, uh, John's letters, uh, uh, and then um, Revelation. And that's, I think that's it. And James. So um, that's where we're heading in the weeks to come. Well, we're going to wrap up with um, chapter 4 today in Philippians. And uh, uh, chapter 4 uh, contains some great advice about staying joyful uh, in our Christian lives. Remember, the, the main theme of this letter has been about joy, um, and we, we touched on it again. They had some, last week we talked about potential kill joys that we needed to avoid, and he gave us, Paul gave us some safeguards for avoiding those things. Um, and, but today we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about joy and, um, and uh, some of the fruit that that joy should uh, also be producing in our lives uh, and, and um, by the Spirit. Uh, and so we're going to touch a, a little bit on, in particular, on two verses today I want to talk about. One is a verse about uh, gentleness and, and then the other is about not being anxious just because they're always good things to talk about. But let's read through the entire letter together, Philipp- entire chapter together, Philippians chapter 4. Um, it's 23 verses. I'll be reading out of the NIV. You can follow along. We passed out sheets. If you have your Bibles, open up your Bibles. Whatever translation you have will work. And, uh, or there's Bibles on the rows. But let's, uh, let's work through Philippians chapter 4 together beginning in verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I plead... I <sighs> I plead, really. I plead with Yodia and I plead with Sinchi to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whether, uh, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I am looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied. 
Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. And blessed be the word of the Lord. Good stuff. Now remember, again, just this letter, um, that, that Paul writes this letter, he's in prison. Uh, he's in house arrest, but he's still in prison. And uh, I still think it's great that he, he writes this topic of joy um, and, and maintaining your joy and being thankful and being at peace um, in spite of less than wonderful circumstances. And, and that, that, that's why it's such a poignant letter. You know, because um, uh, I think it's one thing to talk about the experience of joy uh, in those seasons of our lives when everything is really working well. It's completely different to be talking about it when things aren't going the way, you know, that you may have them go. Um, and at least, you know, from the outside looking in, Paul was a, was a traveling guy. Uh, he spent his entire ministry moving around. Uh, preaching the gospel, opening doors that had never been opened before. He even said, you know, I like to go where no one's gone and preach the gospel. It's a, he said it's okay to come in after people have been there, but it's much better to go when it's fresh. That was his heart. That's what he wanted to do. And he, he traveled the world, and he had still places he wanted to go. He was ready to go to Spain. He had he'd wanted to go to Rome, but he wanted to go to preach. And here he was stuck in a house. And, and, and so, you know, all the things that he'd um, worked towards in his life, um, weren't happening the way that he thought they should or would. And yet he said, but you know what? God's using it. And, um, I think in our own lives, um, I, I heard a saying once, and I, I said it to you some time ago, and some of you heard me say it. And it, wasn't, it wasn't an original saying. It actually was something John Wimber said, who founded the vineyard years and years ago. Um, he, he said this. He said, you know what? I, I, I've come to realize that I'm just changing God's pocket. And whoever he wants to spend me is okay with me. That's a big statement. Um, because at one level, I think we mean that. I think I mean it. But at another level, you know, uh, you, you hope he spends you in certain ways. And when he doesn't, how are you going to feel about it? And, and the reality is, as long as it's his, you know, as, as long as you're still in, in, in him, then, then it's all good. And I... Um, Paul was having a tremendous impact, even from house arrest. When you think about it, uh, these, these letters have outlasted, you know, all sorts of stuff that he wrote because he sat down long enough to write. Because he was there, he said, I'm, let's write some letters. Let's, uh, you know, uh, I love the fact that he says the believers in Caesar's household are saying hello. You know, he's been, he's been getting the gospel out. So uh, this is really cool stuff. And he, he connects... Um, uh, a couple of things with this idea of joy in these verses. Uh, and, you know, in Philippians 4.4, 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, he says, Again, I say, rejoice. Uh, and so he's bringing up this idea again, just like he has in every chapter. And then he goes on in verse 5 and he says, Let your gentleness be evident to all. 
the Lord is near. So I want to just uh, take a moment in this study and, and talk about the importance of gentleness uh, in our culture and the impact that I think gentleness has uh, on people around us. And, and that what Paul, I, I think, is saying here is that when we're truly rejoicing in the Lord, we will be a gentle people. When we're connected, when we're experiencing his presence in our lives, gentleness will be a result. Because it's hard to be selfish and rude when you're experiencing his new and living way in your life. And so, uh, to me, this idea of rejoicing and gentleness both demonstrate a focus on the eternal over the temporal. And so, you know, gentleness means sometimes... um, Losing arguments. Uh, gentleness means sometimes giving up so-called rights. Um, it means forgoing last words. Uh, sometimes it means, you know, do, doing it the way other people would rather do it. Um, and uh, never getting, you know, it's not that we don't allow ourselves to get pushed around and walked over. I just mean that there's, there's something about gentleness that's not experienced very often. Because we, um, I think culturally we have an idea that, you know, um, if we're gentle then, then we're being a pushover. And, you know, you'll never get anywhere if you're, you know, people take advantage of you. And I, I don't see that as the concept at all. I, I firmly believe that when we're experiencing the presence of God in our lives, that, um, you know, we'll act differently. We, you, you don't have to take everything personally that happens. Cause, and, and when things don't go your way, sometimes that's okay. You know, and Paul's demonstrating that. I think Paul probably has a, a good a case for being bitter as anybody and angry. And he's, he's just, okay. And I, I you know, I, I think he just loves on people so well. Because he said, you know, God, whatever you want is what I want. And so, um, I think it's just an encouragement for us. To, to look and see how we're doing. Are we gentle people um, in, our, in our relationships? Are we gentle people in, in our relationships with, with you know, people that we're close to and, and uh, in our relationships with people that, you know, that we encounter? Are we gentle people or are we rough and, and are we real hard and are we demanding? Uh, you know, I just don't think that's where we should come from. As the people of God, we, we need to come at this with a whole different thing. It's one of the things, uh, if, you, if you drive into our parking lot, if you have, I have a banner out there on purpose, especially for the season, that has that verse on it. Let your gentleness be evident to all. It says, welcome to the vineyard parking lot, basically. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Because, um, you know, just sometimes when you pull into park, you can get completely frustrated and angry at everybody because there may not be a good spot to park or any spot to park or... Um, and people do silly things, and people make their own parking spots. Um, sometimes I find that I have to check myself when I'm not out of here. I, I don't. I just pretend that doesn't go on because there's no way I can fix it. So I just have to ignore it. Uh, I do the best I can. I put signs up and say, you know. But uh, have you, do you ever go to like another place to park, and there's there's people that are parked in places where they shouldn't park? And it's, it's making it hard for traffic to get around and stuff. Do you ever wonder 
See, and then I, I wonder about bringing that up because it doesn't seem very gentle. And then, then if you are one of those people, you know, then you, you, maybe you have a reason for it. But I, I, every once in a while at Winn-Dixie, I'll get people that are parked in places where they just shouldn't park. And there's a reason they shouldn't park there. And you just kind of go, really? Um, but, but then if you do it, it's probably okay because you're like, well, I have a valid reason for parking here at this moment. But uh, I don't know why I'm off on parking. It has nothing to do with anything. Let's move back to the subject at hand. Uh, gentleness. So, but knowing that then, my hope would be that you catch yourself. Because I think sometimes we've gotten kind of hard and tough and responded to people and we haven't allowed the, this change that should happen in us to catch up. And uh, we need to check ourselves. Are we, are we being gentle? Can we, you know, not immediately react to everything that happens or take it all personally? And I, I think that, you know, it's, being a gentle person's gotten a bad rap in our culture. Um, and the, the idea of gentleness, the way Paul is, is presenting it, it means to be patient. It means to be moderate. Uh, in our culture, uh, it's usually taken as a sign of weakness. Um, but it's not. It's a sign of strength, and it's a virtue. And, and we live in a culture that remembers it's fear-based, and it's um, worry-based, and out of that they become very short and edgy and hardened. And uh, it, we've lost a lot of the general civility that we used to have. Um, and and uh, a lot of times in that process, people almost believe that they have a, a right to behave badly in order to get what they want. And, and we just have to be so careful with that because it's just not who we are. And, and uh, I had something shipped to me recently. I bought something. And it, it said it would take, uh, it was 10 or 12 days. So, okay, that seems like a long time, but whatever. And the 10 or 12 days go by and it didn't show up. And I'm checking my email to see and there's, I, I waited another few days and a, there's a tracking number and I called up the company and I said, hey, my package hasn't arrived. It was up in Miami. And, uh, oh, yeah, I guess not. Well, we've got it here. We'll bring it down Tuesday. Okay, great. Thank you. So I arranged my schedule and got there. Stayed on Tuesday. Never showed up Tuesday. I called up and said, hey, uh, package. Um, never came. So I'm talking to a different person. And she said, well, who'd you talk to? I said, I don't know who I talked to last week. It wasn't you. I know that, but I don't know. She said, oh, um, yeah, it's still here. I said, okay. Said, she said, we can get it to you Thursday. I was going out of town Thursday. Well, Thursday, Thursday won't work. And how about next Tuesday? Okay, apparently you can only get it Tuesday and Thursday. All right, Tuesday. Tuesday's fine. I said, well, can I, and I, and I, I, was, I was really being careful because um, I really work on this stuff. And I said, I was saying real kind, well, you know, if I hadn't called you, um, just try and explain to me how this is, is not happening because it's been there for like a month at this point, you know, and nobody's ever contacted me. And, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, you're a shipping company. This is what you do. You take something from there and you bring it to here. If it's sitting there, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. So I just said, well, how come it's not coming? You know, I, uh, how, unless I'm calling. And so I'm sorry, I was on vacation last week. I said, well, okay. You were on vacation, but I wanted to say, what about the three weeks? I didn't say this. Oh, okay, okay, it's fine. <laughs> Thank you very much. So, so then I called. So, the, so there was a shipping company. So it had been a month. 
And the company that I bought this thing from had been saying, you know, how do you like your thing? So I called them up. said, well, you know, I can't tell you how I like it because I haven't got it. And I'm really nice. And the lady went, oh. And, uh, and she said, oh, okay. And she was kind of, I said, I, I said you know, I'm, I'm a little frustrated. I'm, it's okay. I'm a little frustrated. Anything you can do to unfrustrate me? She laughed. She said, hang on a minute. So she laughed. It was funny. So she came back. All right, we'll give you another 10% off. Sweet. So that was, that was for being not upset. You know what I mean? All right, so that's good. The very next day, the lady that I talked to at the shipping company calls me back. I said, hello. She goes, yeah, we have a package up here for you. I said, yeah. And uh, we'd like to deliver that package. I said, and, and so I, I knew her name. I said, is this so-and-so? She went, yeah. And you're at ex this extension, yeah? I said, you don't remember our conversation like yesterday? Nope. <laughs> well, all right then. Well, we talked for like a half an hour. And she went, oh yeah, never mind. Forget that I called. <laughs> so... But here, here, the point was, I didn't, I really just maintained, you know, because the, there was a time in my past, even as a Christian, where I would have gone completely, absolutely insane at some point. Like, I don't really want to be mad at you. Is there someone I can be mad at? Is there, can you get me someone up high enough <laughs> that I can be unkind to? Because that's how I feel right now. I just never went there. It's like, whatever. And uh, if I need to show up this Tuesday, so it's all good. But uh, uh, I only said that because I think... Um, we have a tendency to think it's okay to be rude in order to get what we want. Like it's our only option. And maybe you, you don't think like I do. But I mean, I have to really work at, in those situations where I'm getting frustrated, not being flat out rude. Or second, what's even harder for me is not being sarcastic. Because my brain works in very sarcastic ways in those situations. Anybody else have? I can, I can toss out some sarcasm, you know. And I think that's so not what I want to be or do. I don't want to have that heart. And so I, I really just try and choke it off. But I think I'm. So I'm not completely better yet. I won't let you in on all the stuff. But gentleness is what we need to do. Look at this story. First Kings 19, 11 through 13. I'll read it to you. You don't have it in your notes. Uh, the Lord said, he's talking to Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord for the Lord's about to pass by. And then a great powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake. The Lord wasn't in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And the voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Um, see, that was God. And, and you need to know that even though God is all-powerful, he's extremely gentle. And, and with all the power, the power that made the universe, that holds all things uh, in, in place, and, 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 and uh, there's nothing in the world as gentle as God is. And we see this gentleness of God modeled in the life and ministry of Jesus. Where, you know, he cares for the lost, the down-and-outers, the broken, the sick. And he sees them and he brings the kingdom to them, just like we're talking about Sunday. He extends the kingdom of God to them and shows people how they can enter. Um, he's the picture of gentleness in a broken world. And so the, Paul, when he's picking this subject up, he just talks about the importance of being gentle. And, and it's such an important thing for us. And it, and it starts by, you know, Getting out of, it's all about me mode and getting into the bigger picture. 
Then, in the following verse, one of, the, one of my favorite verses. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Uh, every, every morning in my prayer time, um, in my, you know, I use the disciples' heart primer that we have in the journal. Um, I always ask God to help me see the traps that are coming my way, the tests, the temptations, and uh, always to see his way out. And one of those traps, and this is one of the traps that all of us face every day, is anxiety and worry. We just talked about on the weekend. And the Apostle Paul's encouragement uh, in this area is, is, is so inclusive of, of, of what he means. Because he says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything. So um, if you're anxious or worried about something that is anything or everything, it's one of those traps. You get how anxiety and worry are all a trap, every one of them? Because he, he, there's no wiggle room out of that. So uh, it, it, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything. I mean, there's nothing that falls outside the lines, right? So if you're worried or anxious about anything or everything, it's a trap, and God has provided a way out, and, and the way out is prayer and petition with thanksgiving. So when you're worried or anxious and you, and you realize that it's a trap, which is what you should do, you check yourself. We talked about this weekend. Because, you know, because just then you, you realize what you're worried about is either anything or everything or somewhere in between. Then what you do is you pray and, and you change your focus. And, and the best thing to change your focus towards is what you're thankful for in life. See, that's... Uh, I, I don't know how to make that any more practical. Catch yourself in anxiety and worry. It's a trap. It's not doing you any good. And then the, the best thing you need to do is you have to, to stop thinking about that, to get that out of your mind. Pray. You know, I taught you prayers. Help, oh God, whatever. And then, and then just start thinking about what you're thankful for. It'll take you right out of that worry thing. And, um, you know, we, we will go through hard things sometimes uh, because of, it's a fallen world, a broken planet, but, but start thinking about what you're thankful for and, and don't get consumed about what you're worried about. And then, you know, it says with thanksgiving, so we get back into being thankful uh, and, then, and then we go with the stuff that we were worried about and we present it back to God. So, see, because God is able to do stuff we can't even imagine. And when we get anxious and worried, what we're doing usually is we're leaving God out of the equation of our lives. And, and he's so able to do stuff and to take care of stuff. And so don't limit um, the way things can work out with your anxiety and your worry. Pray. Um, get yourself stopped out of that. Pray a help me prayer. Start thinking about what you're thankful for and thank God for it. And when you get your focus changed, your attitude changed, then take those things that you were worried about, you present them to back God with him in the equation, say, God, I don't know how any of this stuff's going to work out, but here it is, and, and I, I trust you. I'm going to let you have it. And I'm not going to be consumed by it. Then when it tries to come back again, no, no, that's a trap that wants to take me out of life. Not going there. Think about what you're thankful for and move back towards him. So, so, you know, God is not limited to anything. He can do so much more than we can possibly even imagine. And so, so don't be anxious. Don't be worried. You need to know that God's bigger than your problems. You can trust him. Um, he's there to help in you, to help in you, help you. <laughs> helping. It's a new word for today. Helping. <laughs> Sorry. Don't be consumed. 
by the temporary. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Seek his kingdom first. He takes care of the rest. That's where we find life. That'll keep us filled with joy. Joy is the, the big deal that we need to have in this life. And uh, he'll keep us there. All right, that's good enough for Philippians. If you're watching my video or on television, thank you so much for spending your time with us. We know how valuable your time is. We appreciate it. Uh, if you need prayer, go to our website, keysvineyard.com. Find the prayer page. Send us a prayer. We'll be praying for you. You can call us if you want. We'll pray for you that way. Uh, come and visit. If you're in Big Pine, we'd love to have you with us. And uh, thanks for being a part. If you're on the webcast, hello. And uh, if you are winter people who are watching the webcast, hello as well. And uh, everybody be safe. Okay. That's it for that.